Well, good evening again. Merry Christmas. A very warm welcome to St. Paul's Blur Street on this holy night. You are welcome here. Whether you're curious about faith, maybe you're critical of faith, or you're committed. And welcome to those who are joining us online. Christmas, that time of year when we get together no matter how inconvenient or expensive. When we spend more than we should, trusting that what we save in dry January will balance it out. When we decorate with lights put away in a tangled curse on our future selves. Christmas is also when we struggle to find the words to say in the cards to the people that we love, in the tears to the people that we miss. Words are hard. Words fall short. Think of how many times you're going to have to bite your tongue in the coming days. While we may struggle with words, God does not. And at Christmas, God speaks a word to the world, and it's a word to each of us. It's not a shout. It's not a slogan. It's not even a manifesto. The word that God speaks at Christmas becomes a child, as fragile and vulnerable to misunderstanding as what we say to each other, like that first, I love you, in your 20s, or the promise, I'll take care of you, we murmur standing over our baby's crib. And at Christmas, God speaks a word that becomes a child. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Using sweeping language, the early Christian writer John deliberately echoes the opening lines from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh yes, we know how this goes, his Jewish readers would have thought. But then John throws a curveball. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. The idea that God's creative act at the beginning of time was a word? That wouldn't have surprised Jewish listeners or even Greek ones, for whom the word was logos, where we get that word logic from. But the idea that the word, present with God at the dawn of time, was going to become a flesh and blood human, an infant? That was a shocking twist, then and now. Now, some of you are wondering, uh, how could I, a reasonably intelligent, well-traveled, educated adult, uh, believe this? But the intellectual hurdle to get over at Christmas is not that God would take on human flesh. The hurdle is whether God is real or not. Because if God is real, then the creator of physics and DNA can certainly handle taking on human form. At Christmas, God speaks a word that becomes a child, a child who shows us how what we really want to be true about the world is. Let me show you. On that first Christmas night, God broke into history in a most remarkable way. God, of course, had made God's self known for centuries, right? Interacting with humble peasants, global politicians, a history that's written down in the pages of the Bible for us to examine. 
And Joseph being called up in a government census, taking his young pregnant wife to their hometown, uh, Mary surviving first century a childbirth, throngs of angels in the starlit sky. It's not a children's story. And the multiple accounts of Jesus' birth have none of the hallmarks of legends. It's true. It happened in history. Or it's a deliberate lie, and it's a very stupid one, mind you, because it was written down in the lifetimes of people who were there. And if the hinge of all human history is on the door of a home in Bethlehem, then what it means is that our often mundane lives can have meaning and purpose. How? Because Jesus was probably not born in a stable on the outskirts of the village, as countless images of that first Christmas depict. It would have been unthinkable by the standards of Palestinian hospitality that Joseph returning home would not have been received by family members. And even if all of his family had no room for the young couple, Joseph was a member of the famous house of, of David. He was royalty. He would have been welcome in any village home. And the design of first century homes meant that most families lived in a single room. It might have been carved out of the hillside, and the animals would have been brought in at night into this room, and there would have been some space at the back for visitors. And if anyone has ever lodged with any Palestinians, you'll know that despite their wonderful hospitality, there's a painful lack of privacy. And Mary likely gave birth within a home like this, placing her son in the hay-filled depressions that, filled, uh, that fed the animals that would have been milling around. Now, why am I lingering on this fact? Because it means that Jesus was not born apart and separate from the hustle and bustle of life, but in the midst of community, like any other Jewish boy, animals underfoot with all the visiting relations right in the thick of it, demanding our attention. Many depictions of the nativity show Mary and Joseph kneeling over a manger as they worship their newborn son. And often missing is any representation of how utterly exhausted Mary must have been or how daunted Joseph would have presumably felt. And here in this painting, Inside a home, Mary is plainly dressed. She looks completely spent, with a smudge of blood under her feet and spattered on her dress. Joseph's brow is furrowed, his hands clasped, hinting that he's at a loss about what comes next. Now what do I do? The features of the baby are veiled. But notice, it's light from the holy child that illumines both Mary and Joseph. The word that God speaks at Christmas is that God is with us in the chaos and noise of our lives, the monotony, the confusion, the mess. That's what Jesus was born into. That's where the light shines in the darkness. 
The word that spoke countless galaxies into being isn't born over there, away from our ordinary lives, inviting us to visit on occasion, no. The word's born into the heart of a community, a home, asking whether we would like the child of hope to illumine our lives. We want it to be true that in our daily routines, you know, the dirty dishes, the, the career or relationship goals that, that won't get fulfilled, right? Pick your intractable war from around the globe. We want it to be true that in the midst of all of that, we are not alone, that God could still be found in the rubble, and that even if we reject God, God does not reject us. And so at Christmas, God speaks. And the word became flesh and lived among us. At Christmas, God shows us how what we really want to be true about the world is. The word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The child brings us truth and grace, two things that we desperately yearn for. Our culture contests truth now more than ever. My truth, your truth. We fumble for words we're afraid to offend. And rightly, we want to include rather than exclude. That's good. But truth is essential for survival and well-being, to celebrate beauty, warn of danger, restrain evil, fight for justice. Truth is needed for all of those things to happen. And as the inimitable Gloria Steinem said, while the truth will set us free, first it'll tick us off. She didn't actually say tick us off, but it's Christmas Eve. When the word became flesh, truth became tangible, the hidden became revealed, not only as the logos, logic, but truth became a man who taught that enemies should be forgiven, money will not bring you happiness, and that the way to find ourselves is actually to serve other people. And while that truth might tick us off, it's the light that we need to illumine our lives. Here in Toronto, we have more income per capita than ever before, yet a housing crisis that should shame us. Some of the best hospitals in the world, yet we increasingly can't face suffering and death. The word made flesh shows us the truth that bodies are important, the world matters. So in the name of Christ, we will work to help the poor get decent housing. We will advocate for more hospice space and better access to mental health resources. That's the truth that comes to us at Christmas. We also need the grace that this child brings. If justice is getting what we deserve, then grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Forgiveness and a fresh start from the one who sees all. The darkness we know, the sins we cannot face. And the word made flesh grew into a man who chose the cross over condemning us. This grace that God speaks at Christmas 
It'll make us so much better at relationships. And who doesn't want that? Being aware of how much you have been forgiven, it makes it far easier to restore relationships. And because God was willing to enter into our world, become vulnerable, speak our language, following the way of Jesus will help us to work on understanding rather than being understood, right? Of meeting other person's needs before our own and showing love to other people in the way that's meaningful for them. If you let the word that God speaks at Christmas imprint itself on your heart, if you let the holy child shine light into your darkness, your relationships can flourish. They were 19 when they met, and it was no surprise to anyone when they got married. But years later, the debt was piling up, her career plateaued, and the bickering constant. Looking back, she couldn't be sure why she did it, but she did. She texted him and walked out. She called later that night and her husband, with concern and anger, fighting for control of his voice, asked, where are you? What's going on? How are the cats? She asked, ignoring his question. Well, if you mean have they been fed, they have. What are you doing? She hung up. Knowing that something was seriously wrong, he began pleading with her each day to come home, saying, whatever it was, surely they could work it out. And finally, figuring out that despite her turning off her location, he could pay someone to find her phone, he discovered that she was a plane ride away. He emptied their meager savings, bought a plane ticket, and when she opened the motel door, he forgot his prepared speech and he blurted out, I love you so much, please come home. She fell into his arms. One evening, some weeks later, he got up enough courage to ask the question that had been eating away at him. Why? When I told you over and over how much I loved you, why wouldn't you come home? Because, she said, those were only words. But then you came. At Christmas, the world waited in the quiet darkness of the Bethlehem night and the word that God spoke at the beginning of time became flesh. A child who came, a child who came to make us sons and daughters of God. This word, this child came for you. No matter how far you feel from God, this child came for you. God is with us. St. Paul's Blur Street is a diverse and growing community, and we value questions, we value searching. Do join us in the new year to explore how this child, Jesus, brings truth and grace and can be light in your life the way he is light in mine and millions of other people's. Where you're seated, let me pray. Let's bow our heads. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. 
We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen.